Hello and welcome to Real Estate Lab. I'm Brian Martin. And I'm Jennifer Martin. And our mission is to help realtors, realtors and all our affiliates to strengthen their homes and to build their business, to create more wealth. It's a, it's a really unique idea because Jennifer, I just don't know of too many people out there who's whose biggest desire in the real estate world, in the real estate media, the biggest desire is to help strengthen the home. I know. It's an unusual mission. It is an unusual mission. It's, it's everybody else's seems to be focusing on lead generation, marketing ideas, new systems, technology, which is, of course, a huge thing. But strengthening the home is, is really a big deal. It is a big deal. And that's because of all the stress that is involved in the real estate business. You know, Brian, when you said um, real estate and vendors and everything, I, I went to the thought that really um, everyone is our vendor. You know, even the car, car lot guy is our vendor because he helps our people, right? And as our people make money, we're able to go out and buy more cars. And so if we strengthen the home, we're really strengthening the whole community. And it's, and it's true. It's, and and we're, our, our tools, uh, our gifts, our skills, our, our skills, our talents are just limited to, um, to people who, who are in real estate. I mean, these are principles that anybody and everybody should use. I know. <clears throat> and, and I think that's an important point to make, that this is for anyone who wants to strengthen their home. Exactly. Because home is the most important place in the world. And uh, it's where everything happens. And the kitchen is an important place because that's where people conjugate. And that's where people get together and cook and share stories and life. And the living room is important because that's where they sit down and they relax. And you can go on and on about the importance of a home. You, you sure can. So um, one of the things that I think is really important is that as realtors and affiliates, we get the, the, the unique and, and the privilege and the honor of helping people with home. That's really cool. It is cool, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So, And the principles that we bring to bear for um, the, the agents and for everybody else are principles that people, that the, that the agents can use when they are working with their clients. Well, and I think our principles are also to help the family feel connected or the home feel connected to the business also. And um, I appreciate that, that you always say we only have one life. We don't have two or three or four lives. You know, we don't have our business life and our home life and our uh, church life and our social life. We only have one life and they all intersect. And so to be able to um, bring that all together is really an important part of home. You know, let's take a few minutes and talk about that. That's a really great place for us to kind of launch out today because I want to talk about balancing and I want to talk about the home model. And so uh, bringing that idea to bear is a really good idea. And the idea is that you only have one life. So work-life balance people frequently talk about you have a work life, right? Right. And so you go to work, and then you have your friends there. Uh, what are the what are how are, what are some of the terms that people talk about? 
their relationships when they're at their work husband or their, how, how does that work? <laughs> their work wife. Their work wife or their work husband. That's the people that they're, they work with uh, for eight hours a day and they develop these terms for them and they're close to them. And so they, they capsulize that as one aspect of their life and they set it over here and it's over against and it's completely separate in their mind from their home life. And in their home life, they say, okay, I'm not going to bring my work life into my home life because that would pollute it. But it's like you noted. We only have. We only have one life. We do. And sure, you need to be balancing your work and your family life, but you only have one life. Well, and our life overlaps into many, many different Many, many areas. different areas. Yeah. So you, if you have kids, you've got their schools, you've got soccer, you've got clubs, you've got Boy Scouts, you've got dance, all these different worlds that intersect in your world. And they're not separate. No, they're all part of. You integrate them in and you figure out how to manage it well. So, yes, you spend time in the car driving around, right? Hours. <laughs> <laughs> but you figure out how to use that time. You know, I think our fourth child spent half of his life growing up in the car. <laughs> Don't tell him, okay? <laughs> I won't tell him. He turned out pretty good anyway. He did. Yeah. So the the the, the stress is another thing I wanted to talk about today. Is, uh, it's a it's a tremendous pressure. Have you do you have any stress in in your business world? I do. Do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, anybody who I think has an escrow going on has a little bit of stress. I think people in general have stress every day. And I think part of it is how, um, how much we try to fit into a day. And I don't think that people in general are able to relax like they used to when we didn't didn't have the ability to bring so much work home with us and work so late because we have lights and we don't just have to when it gets dark go to bed um, and we've got the internet and we, it, absolutely. you can bring your laptop with you home and mm -hmm. you can work do, until it, two in the morning work until and, two in the morning and you know a lot of people do that I know and so I, I think that that adds stress because people aren't able to um, decompress and but you know, I would say that that the big weakness there is our inability to time block efficiently well now you're getting personal yeah I know <laughs> I want to talk to you about that <laughs> yeah well <laughs> yeah you know uh, we we time block everything we we um you look at my calendar, then it's time block from 4.50 in the morning. Well, you know, the thing about time blocking is you have to look at your calendar. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You yeah. might have it time blocked really well, but if you never look at it, it's a problem. Okay, well, there's another part to it, too, and it's called rituals. Yes. And the rituals are, are tied in with our time blocking. So uh, my ritual begins before I wake up, and I think yours does, too. And I, use, I usually lay there for a second or two because sometimes I anticipate the alarm going off. Mm -hmm. Do you do that? I do. So I'm sitting there and thinking, gee, I bet you got another five more minutes before the alarm goes off. So I want to take this opportunity to, and that's when I do my, my, my gratitude ritual. And I also have a ritual of correcting my thinking because sometimes negative thinking uh, sneaks in. 
And I, you know, I just don't like negative thinking. I don't want to have any negative thinking. If I do have negative thinking, I want to figure out why it's there and what it's doing and how it functions and what I can learn from it. But I don't want to get stuck in some kind of a fantasy that I just keep on mulling over in my mind over and over and over again about different scenarios that might happen if we don't get those pictures to the lenders to prove that the work's been done on the, the house. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. So I'm going to take that five minutes and I'm going to have my ritual. and then, uh, But that's calendared in. It, frankly, you know, I'm getting up at 450 and so that's calendared in, and so that's part of my calendar. So why, don't, why can't we say, okay, from 7, from, from 7 o'clock to 7.30 is when we'll have something to eat, or, you know, at night. 7 to 7.30, it doesn't make any difference. Maybe it's 5. If you've got a family, you know, you have, you, you've got more, more structure that's provided for you because you just have so much to do, and so you just fit it all in, Right. So when uh, so we structure that, and then at eight o'clock you can say, okay, it's time for me to put my laptop down. I'm going to relax for a couple hours and or an hour, and then I'm going to hit the hay. I think that's a great idea. Basically, we do that. Yeah. There are times where our dinner may get pushed later because we got home later. Mm-hmm. So that happens, I think, to everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's being able to. Um, it's kind of like a script. You know, you can be using a script and talking to someone and, and it gets off track and then you just come back to where you need to be, right? And that's how it is with calendaring. So you get off track a little and your your dinner hour maybe is supposed to be from 7 to 7.30, but you don't get home until uh, 7.30, so it's going to be 7.30 to 8 now. And so then at 8 o'clock, you just get back on track of where you're supposed to be. It's the same thing as when you're thinking. When your thinking gets off track, you have to come back. You have to refocus. And that's a technique that a lot of people learn in meditation about when you're meditating. You know, here you have this 20-minute period where you're just wanting to focus, and that's what meditation is. And then all of a sudden you have these intrusive thoughts coming in. Well, what you do is you don't slap yourself. You say, oh, I need to refocus, and you go back and you refocus. You know what really helped me um, early in life was the thought that um, as thoughts came in, they were like different channels on a radio. Mm -hmm. And when a thought would come in that I didn't want to dwell on, I would literally see myself changing the channel Mm -hmm. and focus on whatever, where I wanted my, my mind to go. Right. But it was a visual of, okay, just turn the channel. I like that. And it's the same thing. It's refocusing. It's, uh, it's rethinking. It's, um, it's controlling your thoughts. I know. And I think that I want to do that more and more. I think it's a skill. And it's something that you acquire. But when you think about it, most, of, most, of, most people for most of their lives, just go about doing things without giving much thought to it. I know. They they just kind of do whatever pops in. Yeah, it's called System 1 thinking. And this is what, this is what experts and researchers have discovered and know, that we have two types of thinking. One is System 1 thinking, and the other one is System 2 thinking. And a System 1 thinking is whatever pops into your mind, and then you um, go with that. 
And the system two thinking are the things that require just more thought. And refocusing is something that requires more thought. You have to go back, oh, I've caught myself, you know, just ruminating. I caught myself just having random thoughts. I caught myself just responding to a situation. And then being able to say to yourself, wait a minute, we've got something here to do. Now, this is a this has been something that the psychological community discovered in the 60s and the 70s. It goes all the way back, even before cognitive behavioral therapy was a big deal. Uh, there were people saying that you had cognitive distortions that needed to be corrected. And that's what you needed to do is you need to stop and you had to have a rational response to those cognitive uh, distortions. But it goes back further than that. I mean, in church last Sunday, we're talking about um, Jesus and calming the water. And there he was sleeping in a boat while everybody else was freaking out. And he just controlled himself and he controlled the situation. He took control of his thinking and and then and use it as a it was a, a, a miracle to them but all he was doing was he was just controlling his world and his reality so the idea of needing to control yourself and control your thoughts isn't a modern psychological thing it's something that humans have been able to do from the beginning and it's just we we've had to in order to move forward in society and relationships and being able to have commerce with people to buy and sell houses. You have to think about it. Well, and I think what just dawned on me is that when you control your thoughts and you're using system two thinking, that what is actually happening is you're able to act instead of react. When you're not controlling your thinking, there's more chance that you're going to react and not act. Do you, do you understand what I mean? I know. Exactly, I know. And everybody says that people buy and sell homes emotionally. They do, don't they? They do. And so it, what's, what we have to do as agents is that we, and I have learned this, thank you, by the way, for the lessons that you helped me with this week and thinking about my clients, is that we have to understand that for most people, 90 I'm going to say I'm not going to say 95%. I'm going to say 99%. 99% of people that are engaging in buying and selling houses have a tremendous amount of emotions that are that are um, flooding their brains with all kinds of chemicals. It's affecting their ability to think and react and to respond. And react is is what they do. They end up reacting emotionally. Well, that's it. because they're their dreams or their losses are tied to that property. And it's true with the, with the real estate agent also. The real estate agent, what is that terrible statistic that we heard recently that the number of sides for an agent in California? Is four. Is that four a year? Four, four transactions a year. I know, I heard that. Four transactions. And so if you, if you only have four transactions a year, each one of them represents an, an incredibly emotional event. The, a house payment, a, a car payment, a, a, getting a kid fed. Well, you know, Brian, I think it's interesting that one of the things that, that I had to learn way back when I started in real estate is you couldn't focus on your commission because then your, your emotions as the agent 
are as involved in this buy and sell process as the clients and you start focusing on what you're going to get out of it and so for me I had to learn I could not focus on the commission I had to focus on the job on the job of what was best for the clients and sometimes when your mortgage your own personal mortgage is not being paid that's a hard thing to do that creates a lot of stress that's why we want people to uh, to have more business that's right also because if you have if you you know if you have if you have 16 escrows going and you lose one well that's a pity. You still have 15. Yeah, you still have 15, you know, and, and you're going to be okay. If you only have one escrow going. And you lose one. And, and you're depending upon it for for mm -hmm. your house payment or for whatever it is, and it's, it's threatened. Is it going to be emotional? It's extremely which emotional. Is, which is more emotional, losing one of 16 or losing one of one? Wow. One of one. That's right. right. You know, Brian, in our area, if... If you, if a realtor closes 12 transactions a year, that's one a month, they will not be in poverty. They'll actually be in the mid-range of what people in our area make. But if they close less and they get down to six or less, they're actually in poverty. They're living in poverty. And I don't think most people understand that. No, most people view realtors as rich people who um, take advantage sometimes of other people for their own benefit. But that's not the case. Um, a vast majority of real estate agents are struggling to make a living. Well, and I think that it's really important for, um, for our clients that we are doing more transactions so that we aren't focused, we aren't worried about our own personal gain we are able to focus on what they need because we have a fiduciary relationship with them so what you're saying is that if we're focusing on our own problems it's actually uh we're not being a fiduciary because we're not able to focus on what's happening with our clients that's absolutely true yeah well so all the more reason for us to get more business and, and, and one of the ways that you can actually get more business is to view your work and your family as one thing instead of two separate entities. And then to learn how. Now, what we're going to do is that we're going to be helping people. I was going to say coaching, but I don't think we're going to be coaching. We're going to be educating. We're going to be encouraging. We're going to be inspiring people to figure out how to use the resources in their home more effectively for their business. And one of the, one of the ways that we're going to do that is that we're going to teach them how to tap into their, what on the model that we share, it's called the family of origin, but we relabeled it our community. And it's what most real estate coaches and trainers talk about as their database. But we're going to reframe that, and it's not just a database, it's a community. It's all the people that you relate to. Some people call it your Mets and your not Mets. 
or your sphere of influence, your sphere of influence, or anything like that. We're gonna we're gonna change that radically in the mind of, of our listeners, and it's not gonna be your sphere of influence. It's gonna be your community. And as you become, as you as you, as you learn how to be an influencer in your community, what that's going to do is that it's going to greatly enhance your business. That's really exciting. Isn't that exciting? And it's an exciting concept. It's an exciting It's You well, are brilliant, by it's, the way. <laughs> I learned that from you. No, this was on you. <laughs> All right. So, so, but, you know, but we're involved in our community in various ways. So the youth orchestra, for instance, that we're involved with. It's, it's a great way to network with people and to help people and to be involved in a community event that's actually... Well, it's actually spreading throughout the entire world. Well, and it is so life-giving, not only to the to the people, the kids who are playing in the youth orchestra, it's life-giving to those of us who listen. So we get to be influencers in that community and to help them, and and so they're part they're part of who we are. That's just that's just one aspect of, of uh, how we network in in our world and and how that helps us. It was it was interesting the other day. I was talking to someone who um, got business from uh, a parent on the soccer team, and they've been on the same team for years and years and years. And this person has been a realtor for years and years and years. And um, the uh, the agent said to me, "Oh my gosh, um, I just realized." Uh, that by talking about a house, they had never realized I was selling real estate, and that's how I got the business. And she said, maybe I could have gotten business from the soccer team long time ago had I not looked at it so separately. And she used those words, separately. Now, this, is gonna, this is gonna lead us to a, another really exciting conversation. It's called uh, differentiating. <clears throat> so, Everybody in our communities, in our family of origin, and in our networks that we associate in our database, let's call them our community. Everybody in our community has specific gifts, skills, talents, and tools that differentiates them and sets them, makes them special, different. They have different tools. Different. <clears throat> they're not individuals. There's a difference between, I'm, uh, I'm a word kind of a guy, yes. so there's a difference between differentiating and individuating. When you individuate, you stand apart and you're different from everybody else, and so you're over, you're way over there outside. Of the circle. You're, you're, yeah, you're an individual. But when you differentiate, you, you, you're in the circle, you're in the community, but you bring your own gifts, your skills, and your talents, and your tools to bear. Now, as a realtor, we are the local real estate experts, experts. And, okay, and we know that people are always buying and selling and moving. The statistic is that one out of 10 people mm -hmm. will be moving soon. Right. And so <clears throat> that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. There's a lot of, there's a lot of movement that's going on in every community, and the community needs a reliable expert to guide them in their real estate transactions. And that's when you, so you're not just a soccer mom. No. When you're standing there on the sideline, you're cheering your kids 
on. You're also the local real estate expert, and you're going to be able to contribute your gifts and your skills and your, your talents and your tools to the other people that are on the sideline who are watching the soccer game. And I think understanding that they need that. Each, each of us have our gift. We, we have that gift to be used, and the people around us need our gift. You know, uh, it reminds me when we were soccer parents, and in, in Fresno, we have a, a local um, celebrity icon whose name is Kopi, and Kopi's on TV, and when, when, when we were young parents having kids in soccer, our kids were in soccer together, and Kopi would always come to the soccer games bringing donuts and coffee. Do you remember that? I do. And, and that made him stand out. And, uh, and he brought it for the parents. He brought it for the parents. And the grandparents. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. And so he stood out. Uh, he, he differentiated himself from the others because he was there. He was, he's kind of a local celebrity. Well, he is a local celebrity. And he also brought donuts and coffee for everybody. And so wherever we go as realtors... We are the local real estate expert, and we bring our gifts, our skills, our talents, our tools to bear for the life of the community, to help the community. Isn't that an astounding thought? It's a really great thought. You know another way to think about that? Tell me. Oh, I don't want to bother them with my, you know, with what I do. I don't want to, I don't want to ask them for business because, you know, that would be, that would be ag aggressive. And, and so I'm not going to, that would be unprofessional for me to do something. So I think like what that. that is, is that's thinking more about me than it is about how we can help in our community. Exactly. And how do we bring, how do we bring our gifts, our skills, and our talents to bear in the community? We're there with them. And everybody knows, everybody knows that Jennifer Martin is the broker at the local real estate firm and that she can give expert opinion about what's going on in the market. So, oh, Jennifer, my brother's thinking about selling. What do you think his house is valued at? All right, so, uh, if, so if I'm a real estate agent, I'm going to think, oh, my God, there is an opportunity for me. But if I'm Jennifer Martin, I'm going to think, well, here's an opportunity for me to help. I can bring my gifts and my skills and my talents to bear and I can share with them what the value of their home is. And I can offer them all kinds of assistance. And what do you think is going to happen as a result of that? I think that um, people will be blessed. People will be blessed. And I'm so proud of you for not saying, I think I'm going to get a listing. <laughs> <laughs> because <clears throat> you probably will get a listing. But what's more important to that is that you're an active part of your community and you're doing what you do to help the entire community. Well, and I remember last week you and I went and we talked to a friend of ours who doesn't know whether to sell or whether to uh, keep her home, use it as a rental because she's moving out of the area. And I have to tell you, um, it was so fun to sit there and realize that I wasn't thinking about, oh, I want this listing, even though it would be a great listing to have. I was thinking about wealth building and what's best for her is it will it facilitate her wealth building if she sells her home now or will it facilitate her wealth building if she hangs on to that home there's a a big part of me 
that really hopes she hangs on to it. Because as we talked at this point, she has no retirement. And this would be a great... And she's a 55-year-old woman. She's a 55-year-old woman. And this would be a great uh, beginning for her retirement. And so um, it was fun for us to be able to give her that insight and that information and to see how she plans on moving forward. Whatever decision she makes is not right or wrong. It's the one that's best for her. And that's what we want to support. And so that, that brings another point. We should, we should probably teach her about investing and how, how to invest and how to use her, her capital so that she can, get, so she can have a, a good retirement. Absolutely. That's another gift that we can offer the community. Jennifer, this has been a really, really exciting podcast today. And I have, I'm so excited about it because we have so much more to share with people. The, the idea of uh, uh, the soccer mom and, and the schools and the, and the networking there that, that happens, that's integrating our real estate world with our, with our personal world in a powerful and a meaningful way. Because we only have one life and we've got to live it really fully and completely. And when we do that, it's, it's beautiful. And I have, just kind of uh, bringing everything to an end today, I have the belief that when we use our gifts and our skills and our talents and our tools, when we're using them for the benefit of other people, what we're actually doing is that we're loving them. I agree. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thought. Our program is called Real Estate Love. I'm Brian Martin. And I'm Jennifer Martin. And if you want to reach us, I'm going to give you my personal cell phone number so that you can text me. It's 559-259-8154. And I would love to communicate with you. So until we meet again... Once, one more time, I'm Brian Martin. And I'm Jennifer. And we're looking forward to talking with you again real soon. Have a great day.